This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Government employees here in Ontario received 10.6% higher wages on average than comparable workers in the private sector. They also had much more generous non-wage benefits. This according to a new study by the Fraser Institute. So, taxpayers, what do you think of that? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now I'm going to bring in Ben Eisen, who is a senior fellow with the Fraser Institute. Hello there, Ben. Hello, thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for coming on the show. So what exactly did you look at and what did you find? Well, what we did was we did an analysis to compare people working in the two sectors, in the government sector on the one hand, to people in the private sector uh, on the other. And more specifically, uh, we used a statistical technique called a, a regression analysis to compare similar workers in the two uh, areas of, of the economy, uh, similar in terms of their level of education, similar in terms of their levels of experience, similar in, in, in their level of, uh, of, of how highly skilled they are, uh, and the extent to which their jobs require training. Uh, so we use those to make an apple-to-apples comparison uh, and see if either sector is earning more money uh, than the other. And the, the results are quite quite strong uh, that people working in the government sector are, are earning about 10.6% more uh, just on wages before you get to benefits than similar workers in the uh, private sector. Let's get to those benefits. Well, there's a number of ways beyond the wage premium that we just talked about uh, a moment ago that that government jobs tend to be uh, better compensated, if you take a view of compensation that's a little bit broader, than similar jobs in the private sector. Uh, the re- retirement tends to come a couple of years younger. Uh, pensions tend to be uh, larger and more generous. Uh, and there, there's several other non-wage benefits. Uh, so it's not just... And, and there's substantially greater job security in the uh, public sector in terms of um, measuring... Uh, involuntary departures uh, f- from employment. Uh, so there's really a number of ways in which compensation is significantly higher uh, in the government sector, even beyond the wage premium uh, that we that we that we measure and describe. Um, I want to get to the pension benefits. So you say that 77 and a half percent of uh, government workers have a defined benefit pension plan, uh, which offers a guaranteed level of of benefits compared to one in 10 in the private sector. But, you know, those things, I guess, come from previous collective agreements. Those things, uh, which are lovely, are, uh, you know, going the way of the dodo bird, no? I think that's a very important point. There are a lot of collective uh, agreements, exactly what direction government will go in terms of, uh, as you say, whether it goes the, do- the way of the dodo bird uh, in the public sector will will be a matter of decisions between governments and, the, and how they conduct negotiations. Um, but certainly measuring the gap is still important and how much, uh, how many people are covered by one uh, type in, in the one sector versus the other, because we need to have a fair understanding 
I mean, we definitely all understand, or at least should, that governments need to be competitive and need to be able to hire very skilled and educated people to fill jobs that require skills and education. Uh, but they don't need to be more than competitive. They don't need to be paying a premium compared to uh, private sector employees for similarly skilled and educated people. And to the extent that they do, uh, it's imposing a big cost on taxpayers without an improvement in the quality of public services. Uh, well, here's the thing, is that uh, in in the public sector, they're represented by very strong public sector unions, and uh, it's very hard to roll back these kinds of benefits. I mean, how do you, do you have a suggestion for how that could happen? Well, you're definitely right that, it, that it's not an easy problem to address uh, or, or situation to address, uh, and it's not one that can be addressed overnight because collective bargains are in place. They take time to expire, and certainly uh, one can't envision a scenario in which uh, they were the, 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 such a large gap was addressed overnight. Uh, that said, once you recognize that there's an issue and that there's questions of fairness for taxpayers uh, in the private sector, as well as uh, real fiscal pressure on the government from uh, these additional wages and salaries, uh, you can take action over time to shrink the gap. And there's a number of different ways that you can do that. Uh, Having slower rates of of wage growth in the public sector than the private sector for some period of time will cause the gap to shrink shrink gradually. Uh, And having a period in which there was no nominal growth in wages uh, in areas of the public sector where the wage premium is found to be particularly high, uh, which would require another uh, level of analysis, uh, holding nominal wages flat, which is to say not increasing them further, will let that gap shrink even more quickly. Uh, So there are strategies to address this. They'll just take time. Um, Yeah, I'm looking at uh, personal leave as well here, uh, because uh, yesterday we had a story, of course, about Bill 148. So uh, it says government workers are absent for an average of 12.4 days compared to 7.6 days for personal reasons, I guess, Mm -hmm. and sick days. Uh, That's also a big cost, is it not? Well, it absolutely is. And it certainly... um reflects the fact that compensation and overall pay package, it's not just uh, reflected in wages, it's reflected in the amount of time expected to be away from work. Uh, It's expected how old you typically when you retire are. Uh, All of these things change the overall cost profile to taxpayers uh, of employing uh, people in the government sector. And recognizing that, measuring it, and taking actions to try and bring the two closer to parity uh, to promote fairness and save money uh, in a province that has real fiscal challenges uh, should be a high priority for the government, even recognizing the important point you raised, uh, that it will take some time. Uh, I'd like to throw this open to our audience, uh, especially in light of the fact, and I want to get a reaction from you, Ben, as well, that yesterday uh, the government repealed Bill 148, a liberal labor bill, and basically took away two paid sick days, guaranteed paid sick days uh, for uh, private sector workers and rolled back the increase in the minimum wage to $15 from 14 in the current, uh, the current system. And the government's answer was that it, somehow this is going to help pave the way for better than minimum wage jobs. So there seems to be a, a big disconnect here between, A, the, this government really uh, rolling back some uh, much smaller benefits for the private sector, and here, look at what public sector workers have. Uh, let's take a call from Brian and Mimico. Hi, Brian. Hi. Uh, you know, over the years, servicing uh uh, office equipment and computer equipment. I've been into every kind of federal, provincial, municipal institution there is. And I've seen the atmosphere in these places. And the first impression you get is nobody works hard. 
in the civil service. Well, I, I think, think that's well, unfair, but, uh, you know, I'll let, go well, ahead. Well, if you walk in, just the atmosphere in them. And, you know, they, it used to be that you had a good, steady job for life, great benefits, good pension, but you got paid less in the private sector. Now, since Pierre Trudeau came along with his wage and price controls, which he lied about in the election, said he wasn't going to do it, and he did it. The uh, private sector has never recovered from that, whereas the, the government sector, they took a hit for a while, then they much made up for it. And they, they continued on their merry little way, having automatic raises every year and more benefits and everything else. And it's just snowballed to the point where now, yeah, they're making more money than everyone else. And I think it's about time at least for a wage freeze. And what I've seen in government facilities, they could get along with half the staff they have with no problem at all. Okay, Brian, thanks for that. Thank you. Okay, well, you know, I, I think that we have to kind of, I know that that's an impression that people sometimes have, but but you don't really know, and we don't always understand exactly what government workers do. But, um, Ben, that, that's certainly the perception. Are you addressing the perception here or what? Well, we, what we do at the Fraser Institute is we, uh, we try and shed light on public policy issues and economic issues by, by measuring things. And in this case, we measured uh, the wage gap and a, a number of other benefits. In terms of measuring whether or not there, there's a difference in attitude uh, and a cultural, uh, less cultural inclination towards uh, hard work in the government sector, that would be uh, a really different kind of measurement and, so, and, and not one that, that we undertook in this uh, study. Uh, but I, I will certainly say um, that, that there are many people... The government sector is very large, and I, I do think it is important, uh, as, as you briefly interjected, to note that there are, are many people working for governments in schools, uh, in the public service itself, uh, who do work hard and provide important uh, services to Canadians. And that's why it's important that they pay, be paid uh, competitive wages so that we can attract good people uh, to those jobs. Uh, but we need to pay competitive wages, not premium wages, because at that point we're imposing an extra cost on taxpayers without a commensurate increase in the quality of services, uh, and we're raising real fairness questions uh, questions for uh, private sector uh, taxpayers, which, uh, which our caller alluded to. And do you have, a, what do you attribute this to, the growing divergence? Do you pinpoint a cause for this? Well, we, we don't get into the, the reasons why it's happened, but certainly um, automatic escalators in, uh, in collectively bargained negotiations uh, lead to continued wage growth at times, even when there's uh, recessions uh, in the private economy, uh, during which times wages can, can frequently freeze or even uh, fall on average because uh, of imp- uh, empl- employment changes. So we don't look at one particular factor uh, that's driving it. What we're doing in this report is measuring it, and I think that certainly um, if you had to come up with a big picture description of why would this happen, it's that private sector firms are much more cost-constrained. Uh, they face the, uh, the, the tyranny of the bottom line, so to speak, uh, and a hard budget constraint uh, in that if they consistently lose money, they go, to bu- they go out of business, uh, whereas government doesn't face that same discipline and pressure uh, because of their huge borrowing capacity. And, uh, and so that creates different incentives uh, surrounding negotiations of salaries. And I think that's a dimension of the story uh, that absolutely needs to be recognized. What about uh, timing? Uh, was the timing of this report having anything to do? We have a new government here in Ontario, and, you know, judging by what they've done with the labor laws in the private sector, they might be more inclined to cut back on the public sector as well. 
I, I think the report is timely because the government needs to be uh, giving a lot of thought to what it, what it can do to address the very large budget deficit that it correctly uh, has pointed out uh, exists. But no, uh, it was not timed uh, to coincide uh, with the possibility of a new government or anything of that nature. Uh, in fact, we've conducted similar analyses in the past um, in, the, in the middle of the various government's mandates and in different provinces because we think it's very important uh, to measure uh, the gap between public and private sector uh, workers, and I expect that we, we will continue to do so in the future uh, as this government's term unfolds. So no, it was not timed uh, for any particular purpose in the uh, or, or relationship to the electoral cycle. Uh, the other thing I want to touch on is job security. So mm-hmm. that's always a big, uh, a big item, especially uh, for unions, but there seems to be less and less of it in the private sector. And we see with a lot of people who are in the so-called gig economy that they don't even have a, a real full-time job. They're basically mm-hmm freelancers. How do you see that divide playing out? Yeah, and it's a very important uh, point that that our call that that your caller uh, raised. That there there was historically, um, and this is a, not something that we've measured far enough back in time uh, to say uh, to say exactly exactly how to quantify how true it was, but there was at least a notional uh, trade-off that one of the features of government work uh, was sub- substantially more job security, and that that was uh, at least partly offset in terms of, or there was a, a trade-off involved uh, with, with uh, not having a, a, this kind of wage premium. Uh, so I think that certainly recognizing that the additional job security uh, in the in the pri- public sector, uh, excuse me, is a valuable benefit that they in, that is enjoyed, and taking that into account when setting other uh, benefits like wages and pensions, uh, should absolutely be part of the discussion in the equation. Uh-huh. Do you, do you, does that ever happen in the private sector? Job security, does it come into it? I know that it comes into people's calculations that if they work for a certain place, they might be less likely uh, to be caught up mm-hmm. in layoffs. But uh, is that something that is easily quantified? Uh, it's a harder thing to measure um, because there's lots of... Uh, there's a bit of fuzziness surrounding when people are employed voluntarily and involuntarily, given the way that employment tends to end. Um, it's, uh, it's often uh, a measurement challenge uh, for, the, for Statistics Canada and other organizations to try and track these things uh, exactly where to put folks. But it's not an insurmountable obstacle, and we are able to measure uh, the extent to which uh, we and other organizations that collect primary data uh, do have good information on the, number, on the degree of job loss uh, in the two sectors, and that makes for a possible comparison, and that's what we conducted in the study as a small part uh, of the broader analysis. Okay, we only have a few seconds left. What would you like to leave us with on this? The the government faces big fiscal challenges with real implications for Ontarians. A uh, fifteen billion dollar deficit is going to be me, annually means that we're going to be paying a lot of interests uh, instead of having money available for public services. And so the government needs to find savings. Uh, and one of the most important areas where it can is in the public sector wage bill. Okay, thanks for that, Ben Eisen from the Fraser Institute. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Okay, bye bye. Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.